Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. everybody to another episode here of setting the pace and rejoining me after his little sabbatical celebrating the news of kevin durant returning to the nets it's the one and only mike holmgren Fachi. Fachi, what's going on brother man so much to dissect you just never know what alex is going to cook up but yes after a one episode hiatus i am back and it feels good <laughs> i'm, a, man, I'm, I'm you assuming you didn't listen to the last episode with alex kennedy and i not yet so I, I said that you weren't able to join us because you and uh, were out with the boys celebrating the Kevin Durant news in, oh, in man. New York, Brooklyn. There's always an Easter egg in there somewhere, you yeah. know. It's a, something for me to to listen to. So uh, yeah, no, you definitely got me there. It's it's good, it's good to know it there. But hey, it's it's better than uh, listening to a whole slander fest like last time I missed it, <laughs> where you drafted me all, all Wizards team. Man, that was something. <laughs> Yeah, I actually, you know, in our interview with Terry Taylor, I got a text and they said, I really enjoyed the subtle jab about Faji and the Wizards after he it was in the- so subtle. I, I couldn't even make a comment in there because <laughs> it happened so quick that all we could do is just smile on the screen. And I was like, ah, you got me. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Um, but with that being said, I did call you Mike Holmgren Faji today. And I think it's symbolic because something we talked about off air before we came on here was Chet Holmgren going down with an injury, uh, going to be out for the entire season. So that definitely hurts the Pacers chances trying to tank against the, the OKC Thunder. Um, it really stinks for that guy, but it also makes you wonder long-term, is this something to be concerned about? It could be. I mean, look, everybody had debates about Chet's body um, because, you know, obviously he's really tall, lanky, just, you know, big, big men and their, their, their foot injuries. I mean, a list Frank injury is not, what you want as a, as a seven footer, but overall, here's one thing that I'm thinking now. I mean, he got hurt in the pro am, you know, league uh, pro am game. Is that going to affect players being able to play basketball outside of the NBA now? Because they got a huge investment at Chet at number two pick. Now he's out for the year. I mean, I don't think so because if people like if he wasn't working out, people would get mad about that, right? So, I mean, personally, I think there's a reason the game was called. Um, the floor was slip. I don't know if, or it was slippery. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it. Um, but it, it seemed like the court conditions were not good enough to play on. So I think they had to cancel part of the game, like halfway through. I know Jason, Ta- uh, Jason Tatum yeah, had been like second quarter. They, they shut it down. Yeah. And that was Jamal Crawford's thing in Seattle. I mean, we yep. know it rains there like crazy. So 
I don't know, but I just think at the end of the day, it's just bad luck over anything. Um, other news, though, Fachi, that happened was Patrick Beverly mm, got traded yep. to the Lakers for THT and Stanley Johnson. And so I think this is really interesting now because obviously we were joking about it, but Kevin Durant staying in, in Brooklyn probably means Kyrie Irving is not going to be on the trade market yep. as they're trying to be competitive. So now the Lakers pivot. They don't bring in Kyrie, but they go get Pat Beverly. To me, Pat Beverly and Russell Westbrook, their history does not scream like they would play together. So I'm assuming that there's going to be a Russell Westbrook trade or they're going to try and move him before the season starts. I could be wrong, but, you know, that Pacers rumor is out there. People have been talking about it left and right. What are your thoughts on that before we get into our topic for today? I think that rumor definitely has legs to it. I mean, people even at work today were bringing it up to me. It just feels like that's the thing that – this this deal with the Pacers is the best possible deal out there for the Lakers at this point. The Lakers managed to hold on to both first round picks without, you know, they didn't have to send any of those out in the Pat Beverly deal. I think they got a great deal on that. I think Pat Beverly will help them. But yeah, I'm starting to see a lot of reports that they believe that, hey, look, even if they can't trade Russ and there's a chance they could buy him out, but it doesn't look like he's going to be there. And then you start to look at Pacers still need to fill salary. They are they are far from the NBA minimum. They still have about $15 million or so they need to make up that if the Lakers are able to bring in Pat Beverly, Miles Turner, and Buddy Heald, sorry, but that's a big difference. Yeah. Right over there, that makes that team a lot more of a threat than they were a couple days ago. Yeah, I mean, Austin Reeves is a guy that played really well for them last year. I'm not trying to discredit him. I mean, I think a lot of people discredited Alex Caruso because they thought, Oh, just a white guy on the Lakers because LeBron's so great, he's making him look better. No, I think Austin Reeves is pretty good. Mm-hmm. So if that's like your your top six on a playoff series, like, sure, you're not great, but you're pretty good. Uh, you're very competitive. I mean, having AD and LeBron at their apex is huge. But I just kind of wonder, Fachi, because we've gone back and forth talking about this quite a bit. Like, would we do this deal, the pros and cons? So, like, we don't need to rehash all that again. I, I think we've already talked about that enough. But the more I think about it, the more I wonder – is that really the best we can do for Miles Turner? I mean, I to me, so. I feel like this is settling a little bit, even though I understand the idea of it. One thing that keeps coming into mind is like the unwillingness of the Lakers to part with both first round picks. One of the picks has to be that you're taking Westbrook's contract. So would you be okay with after August 30th, Daniel Tice can be traded? What if it was Daniel Tice and Buddy Heald? or Westbrook in a first-round pick. Does that make more sense to you? Definitely. I mean, I, I would say so, because then you could, if it doesn't work out with Miles, you can get a better first-round pick at the deadline and a player. So I think yeah, with Tice, you're, you're, yeah, potentially. But with Tice, you're also getting a, you know future money off the books. Yeah. So at big. that point, yeah, exactly. So he's still, you know, he's still owed you know, a decent amount of money. I think it's like close to, you know, $9 million and change after this upcoming season. And then the next the next following year is not guaranteed. But uh, I, I like that a lot because I do think that Turner is heading towards a career year. I think yeah. everything adds up that way between, you know, playing with an elite point guard, being healthier, you know, being the lone center. So I, I do think that that deal makes more sense. We're also talking about two first round picks, one of which is likely going to be protected. Like, let's be yeah. honest. It might be top five protected. It could be top 10 protected. There's going to be a protection on that 2027 first round pick. Yeah. And I mean, I've even seen such as like a pick swap, maybe, you know what I'm saying? Like where the Pacers could have a pick swap there. I mean, there's different ways to look at it. I don't know what the ultimate end goal is here for the Pacers, but 
I think with how many guards we have, it makes more sense to get rid of Buddy. I've been having a lot of people ask me on Twitter, like, why do people want to get rid of Buddy? It's like the guy's 30 years old. They're in a rebuild. You can get a pick for him. To me, it's ice is nothing. Um, That's just like end of the roster salary filler. Personally, for me, like, I want to see like Isaiah Jackson, Terry Taylor, and Goga get more minutes. I don't want Tice anywhere near the rotation. So if you can go ahead and just cut him off the team in a trade like this, it makes a ton of sense to me to do it. But it's one of those things where I'm sure the Pacers are doing their due diligence and thinking about the pros and cons to all of this. So if they make the trade, like I'm not going to be mad about it because I understand the logic behind it. But I just wonder if there are other deals out there that could make more sense than this trade. I'm, I'm sure that there is because look, if, if you're to bring to the table a, a, a 2023 first round pick, that's already more appealing and a really good draft class. Where now all of a sudden we have a ton of assets where we can move up for next year, 2025, 2027. There's no guarantee on that at all. The Lakers could be a really good team. They could be a mediocre team. You know, I mean, whatever it is, it's just we shouldn't be in a rush to just unload miles and buddy for really not much at all and the yeah. fact is it's going to be a waiting game it's going to be a, a three to five year wait basically to to find out if those picks even mean anything at all yeah and I, i'll say this real quick too because i think if you're trying to tank then i understand trading miles as well like if you're legitimately trying to lose as many games possible yeah. to get a chance at Wimbenyama, i understand getting rid of miles because you don't want to have a chance at winning more games because even though people that are off on Miles Turner and not a big fan and, and think he needs to go after this year, he's still vastly more talented than, you know, a guy like Isaiah Jackson or a guy like Gogo or even a Tice. Like, he is a better player than those guys. So that to me, like, sure, he might not be an all-star yet, but, you know, he could make the case for, like, could be if he hits all of his, if he, if he hits all of his peaks, right, at this point in his career. So, mm -hmm. That to me is where I'm like at. And I also think by waiting a little bit, I know like being patient is very hard if you're any kind of fan of, 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 of trying to make a move. But being patient, you never know. Like we worry about Miles getting injured. You never know what other team centers might get injured. Like let's just say you're looking at a team that's got a really like decent center, but they're not like a, a huge part of that team's success. Like they're just a starter level player. If that person goes down, all of a sudden they want to trade for miles to make themselves better. Like, for example, let's just say like Robert Williams or somebody like that goes down in Boston, right? Is yeah. there something there that can make sense where you trade miles to Boston and get something back that's more valuable and maybe a player plus another future pick or something like that? I'm just throwing Boston out there as a team because I know like Robert Williams isn't like their top player where I could say like Adebayo or Jokic and like that. So looking at teams that desperately could like need a center in the middle of the season, that to me is where maybe holding on to Miles makes a little bit more sense. I think you, you do a waiting game at this point. Look, if the Pacers want to openly say, hey, this isn't our year, we just want a full, full like youth movement, even though Miles is not old, then yeah, you could be like, all right, then that trade definitely makes sense. Hey, we're, we're bottoming out as, as well as one team could possibly bottom out. But it doesn't look like they're trying to be the worst team out there. You know, yeah. it looks like they're just trying to you know, go with a youth movement, give all those guys more right. playing time. And if you do this move over here, you are going to be able to open up more playing time for, for a, a Matherin, a Duarte, uh, you know, a Neesmith, uh, you know, Isaiah Jackson, you know, guys like Goga. I mean, hard even. Exactly. So it, it does open up a lot of, a lot of playing time for those. So I get it. 
it makes sense, but it's definitely not the best offer out there. Yeah, for sure, Fachi. So let's let's get into what we're supposed to be talking about today, our main topic here, and that's back to our season goals, and we are on the power forwards. And this one's going to be really fun because we're talking Terry Taylor, we're talking Isaiah Jackson, and we're talking Jalen Smith. So let's start off with the guy that was just on this show two episodes ago, Terry Taylor. Fachi, what is your number one goal that right now that you have for Terry Taylor? Friend of the show, Terry Taylor, that is. Now, look, I'm saying... Shout out, Cam. Yep, yep. Continue <laughs> to improve as a rebounder because yeah. we talked about it, most specifically an offensive rebounder. That's what Terry can hang his hat on of saying, this guy does it better than the majority. We talked about it last time, 4.8 offensive rebounds per 36 minutes. That's good for seventh best in the NBA. Do we have a large enough sample size? No. But in, if you look at college, he's been a great rebounder. You know, he he was a really a great, you know, really good rebounder last year. But can he consistently grow on that and make that be his calling card? Because mm-hmm. if he can, he's always going to have a role in the NBA. And I think that that when he's saying I just want to consistently get minutes, you gotta bring rebounding night in, night out. Yeah, and I mean, we talked about it on that episode with Terry. Like he's probably the best rebounder on the team. So. You know, I think with opportunity, he's going to prove that he can be. And I said, what's going to get him more opportunity here, Fachi, is if he can develop a consistent jumper from the outside. Because right now, I mean, you talked about it in that episode. He did splash some threes every once in a while, but it was not consistent. So if he can hit that outside jumper consistently, I think it's going to be hard to keep him out of the rotation because he does so many of the little things. But I like the ability of I like him with the ability to shoot from the outside, even if it's not like a, a like a thirty eight percent you know three point shot. I'm okay with it being like thirty three to thirty five, just good enough to be a threat if that makes sense. So that's what I really want to see from him this uh, this season and growth wise. Just get a consistent outside shot. It's extremely important because it's just. Not many guys can cut it as just a real good rebounder. Like, sure, if you're Dennis Rodman, yeah, you can do that. But there's really only one Dennis Rodman. So that shot has Different to era be too. There. Exactly. So, look, yeah, just like you said, not asking for 38%, but can the defense respect this shot? That's going to free up a lot for him. And I think that that shot is going to be a work in progress, but for the better. So yeah. next I have... Can he become a better screener? Because, look, he mentioned a few comparisons to Draymond Green. Draymond sets fantastic screens. I mean, you can see the way that he frees up Steph Curry really, really helps out Steph. So, you know, Terry talked about being more of a playmaker. Look, he's more of a playmaker than people give him credit for. I don't see Terry Taylor all of a sudden being a guy who's got the ball in his hands a lot to be able to, you know, get a, a ton of assists. But he can get screen assists. And Simonis mm. was doing that at an elite level. Oh, I'm yeah. not even asking for an elite level screener, but can you just improve upon it? Because it's going to overall help out the team and being able to play a certain role, just, hey, the, the grit, the grind, rebound, set the screen. Terry can do that. Mm. Yeah, and that's a good point too, Fonch. Like, we'd love to see what he's like in a dribble handoff situation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure he's more of a roller than he is a popper because of his lack of three-point shot right now. But being more versatile there would be interesting. I, I like that. And uh, You brought up Draymond Green, and one of the things I wrote, and I actually wrote these before we interviewed him, so it was interesting to hear him say this, but I said, become a more versatile defender, preferably being lighter on his feet like a Thad Young. And, you know, he said, no disrespect to Thad. He said, but I don't think our games are, like, the same at all. Uh, we're different players. But he said he was watching Draymond Green defensively in ways he can be impactful there. So, 
you know, Draymond being six foot seven, Terry being six foot five. Um, I think he's probably close to six seven if you include the fro height. But yep. um, you, you know, I, I think that just having the ability, like he talked about, being able to switch one through five, and I'm not even asking him to like do that consistently because it's gonna be tough to do that no matter you know who you are in the NBA, let alone a guy that's used to playing down low and banging. Like he talked about Trey Young being a very tough matchup, getting switched up with him in the pick and roll. But I do think that if the pace is going to be more switchy and not so much drop coverage, this is where he could be more impactful in the lineup. If he's able to be that guy that can switch because he is smaller, maybe he's got the foot speed to keep up with some of these guards and be a little bit more physical with them than maybe a guy that's, more slow-footed like a Goga or a Miles where they're probably better in drop coverage than they are in switching. It's going to be extremely important. And what I loved is, you know, that night after the interview, I saw uh, Terry Taylor retweeted a clip of Draymond Green really talking to a bunch of, bunch of I guess, high schoolers saying, you gotta, you got to play a role in the NBA. There's only enough for maybe two stars on a team. you, know, you got to be able to play a role. And it, so really it looked like he really is paying attention to Draymond you know, very clearly, and I, I think that he can learn a lot from him. So I'm mm-hmm. excited about what you mentioned. Being a more versatile defender is going to be extremely important for Terry. And you know me, I love hitting you with three. So oh I got my, three over I don't here. Wrap it up, Fudge. Yep. Anyway, be able to get to the free throw line more and make more. Guys that pull down offensive rebounds tend to get fouled more. Terry averaged one and a half free throws uh, attempted you know, last year. Take it with a grain of salt due to his minutes played per game. But in college, he was getting the line five times a night. Uh, as a senior, he shot 80% from the line, so it makes me feel the potential is there. I hope if he can just continue to just bang in the paint, pull down rebounds, it'll pay off on the offensive end of getting to the free throw line. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and I think that's a great point. I mean, if he can get to the free throw line, that'd be awesome. I mean, just him opening, like, there's so many things about his game that if it just, like, opens up a little bit, like, it doesn't even yep. have to, like, bloom fully just bloom a little bit year by year i think he's gonna continue to grow and continue to be a part of the rotation consistently so um if i were to throw in there like an honorable mention goal i would say um you know be more like cam you know uh be open and honest and uh i think good things will come so let's move on fachi isaiah jackson the next one up here um what's one of your goals for isaiah this year but this is a guy similar to, to Terry. You need to develop a consistent jumper. Yeah. Isaiah Jackson, likely throughout his whole life to this point, has been the freakishly athletic guy that he's just more athletic than everybody around him. That can only get you oh so far without a consistent shot. I don't think he's going to turn into a three-point shooter overnight, but we saw flashes in Kentucky. We thought we saw some flashes you know, in the NBA, but – only made about five threes last year, just five of 16 from three-point line. But can we get to a point, similar to what I mentioned before, can defenders respect your shot from mid-range and beyond? So not looking for him to be, you know, even a 35% three-point shooter or anything next year, but can you consistently be able to, you know, knock down that mid-ranger or be able to stretch the defense out? That's a good point. And you know what's actually pretty cool is I was listening to Sam Vecini, the Game Theory podcast, and um, I forget who we had on. I'm really sorry about that. But they were talking about young cores in the NBA, and they were doing the Eastern Conference. And they brought up, um, they brought up the Indiana Pacers. Obviously, I'm going to find the guest name because it's going to bother me because I want to make sure I give them credit. But um, they were talking about this young core when they brought up, like you said, Isaiah Jackson. Um, 
the big thing there, it was Adam Spinella. And so Adam Spinella brought up the thought, the fact that he thought Isaiah Jackson was going to establish an outside shot. Um, I don't know about this year, but like he thinks that it's in his bag of, of tricks. And Sam Bassini was kind of like, whoa, okay. Like I didn't see that one coming, but I think there's enough people out there that have watched him, Fauci, that believe that he can become a reliable outside shooter. And they did kind of compare him to Miles Turner in terms of being able to be versatile in stepping out and doing that. I think one thing that he has on Miles is the the lob threat thing, the rim oh, runner yeah, type thing. Not. So he might not be as good of a three-point shooter as Miles, but he's definitely got the other side of that game to him. And still not the shot blocker Miles is, but he's pretty close. And so I'm going to go into um, – one of my points here, one of my goals for him, Bocci, and that is to stay out of foul trouble and work on not biting on pump fakes. Like, that's one of the things we saw a lot from him as a rookie. He got good timing, but there were sometimes he was so eager to get a block, he got himself in bad position and got quick early fouls. I even think there were some in the summer league where he did the same thing. So uh, this is just one of those things that's a shot blocker. You have to be disciplined, and I think he's going to continue to be disciplined, but he – uh He's young, so it's going to take some time. But I think if he can stay out of foul trouble and work on not biting on pump fakes, that's going to be huge for his growth. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, mine, I guess, is pretty similar to that. It was just continued to develop as a shot blocker. Honestly, yeah. I just think that his ability to, to physically jump higher than most is just something you cannot teach. He averaged 1.4 blocks per game last year in his limited minutes and consistency over there between injuries, being in and out of the rotation. But I do think, and this, maybe this is a bold take, I think Isaiah Jackson is someone that could be pushing three blocks per game. Oh, I wow. really do. Three is a lot. Gotta it's hard to predict. Time. But exactly. He'll need enough playing time. Also need to stay out of foul trouble. But I do think this is someone that can give you like a 2.7 blocks per game, something like that. So being able to just you know continue to improve as a shot blocker because – I think that that is a great quality of his that we're going to see more and more of. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of playing time, so this is where I really want to see him get um, some reach some goals this year, and that's playing 24 minutes a night. Like, I'm not asking him to start. Obviously, he's going to come off the bench. Um, with with Miles there right now, it's for sure Miles is going to be a starting center. So playing behind him, playing with him, playing with sticks, I think that's going to be huge for him. So, um, But my thing is I want him to get a good amount of run with the core of this team. So I want to see that lineup with him and Duarte and Jalen and Matherin and Halliburton. I don't want to see him playing with Buddy and, you know, Tice and potentially maybe McConnell, like guys that aren't like long-term fits. I want to see him not with the veterans, but with the young guys and see what those young guys look like together. So I'm not sure, you know, if he's playing 24 minutes a night, if he gets like 40 to 50% of those minutes with this current young core, that would make me feel better just so we have a little bit of a sample size to go off of and see like what he looks like next to Jalen with Duarte and Matherin in like a pick and roll situation with Halliburton in a pick and roll situation. I just want to see him with this core because I think that's what's going to really be beneficial for him and his growth. Oh, no, I, I completely agree. We barely got to see him and Miles Turner play together. I would have loved to have seen them play together at the back end of the year when Isaiah was getting more consistent minutes and then, you know, same with Duarte. I mean, just right over there, I like to see them. Those were the two draft picks, but I feel like we didn't get to see them enough together on the court. Uh, so I I'm, I'm with you right over there because Isaiah has all the potential to be a part, a big part of this young core, you know, moving forward, especially de depending on what the Pacers do with turn. Mm -hmm. So 
Next is my last thing. It was more of just kind of like an honorable mention right over here. But it's basically just coming to camp, coming to this year, the best shape of your life. Because when you talk about his freakish ability, I mean, this guy, he, you know, he's the best lob threat that the Pacers have. You can make an argument he could be one of the best lob threats in the league. Oh, but yeah. also with that, he has to he has to continue to get his cardio up to the point where he could be someone who's running the distance of the court, kind of catching those lobs out of thin air, but also tiptoeing that line where you, you got to also grow into your body a bit, continue to beef up, be able to take on the fours and fives of the league. So it's a, it's a tough line to tiptoe. So I just summed it up as coming to camp in the best shape of your life because it's yeah. going to be a big year and your freakish ability is outworking others. So hey, you just got to be in shape to do it. Yeah, I mean, I, when talking to him and looking at him playing the summer league, he looks like he's in shape. Now, he the only thing, good. I still think he needs to add some muscle. He still looks he does, a little to me to be banging in there with five. So if he really is going to be more than a four, I, I think he's going to have to be a little bit more physical. And uh, that's, a, that's a tough thing to get to. I know lifting weights and all that kind of stuff, it can impact your shot and all that. But I think he can do it. I think he's got the talent to do it. But you're right. I mean, he might be one of the most, you know, interesting – lob threat guys in the league right now i'm sure there's other ones out there that we're not mm-hmm. thinking of but one of the things i do love about him is just that jumping ability and that's why we nicknamed him the pogo stick on this show yep. when we were asked yep. to give him a nickname so that is just kind of who he is Fachi. but let's move over to our last one here for the season goals sticks himself Fachi, jalen smith the guy that came back for a cheaper contract when he could have had bigger contract uh elsewhere really excited to have smith back on this team and as a starter Fachi. Really excited, and and I'm just gonna say, continue to develop defensively. Jalen showed flashes, of not to say being a shot blocker, but he averaged one block per game last year. The sample size just 22 games, but so before that, he had never averaged more than you know just a handful. I think 0.6 what, what was that. So this was a solid jump, basically doubling that. But also, he's never averaged more than 0.4 steals per game. Mm. So what I, I'm challenging him is, can you come up with more deflections? more blocks, better on-the-ball defense. Because, look, they call him Sticks. I'm not sure how the, the, the name originated, but, you know, they're, he's, uh, you know, skinny as a stick. So I would just say, like, <laughs> you got to beef up. You got to challenge on defense right over here. We know we can score, but I want to see him more as a defender. I don't think he's thinner, uh, thinner, thinner than Isaiah Jackson. Might not be, but <sighs> he's, he could be, I don't know, I guess they're probably around the same, same height. <laughs> Yeah, I'd have to see a side-by-side. No, and I think yeah. you're right, though. Um, now that he's going to be a starter, I want to see him become a consistent double-double guy. I know that sounds crazy, but last year, I think he was averaging around 13-7 and seven with the Pacers, um, point-wise. So, point-rebound-wise. I think that you probably go up a point or two, maybe three per game, and just depending on what kind of looks you're getting and how many miles you got to feed and if you're getting your mouth, you know, getting them out of, uh, you know, shot attempts that you need. But – I think rebounding is something that he can get better at as well, Fachi. I mean, decent rebounder already. I think he's actually got a pretty high basketball IQ as well. So we'd just love to see him getting in there and banging a little bit more at the bigs because we know Turner, uh, while I have my goal for him to get double-double, uh, get a double-double this year, average a double-double, we know that Turner is also the guy that's just not n- notoriously known for being a banger down low, being a big True. rebounder. So Jalen Smith might have to pick up some of the slack in that area. So I would like to see Jalen – um, become a double-double guy. I want him to prove that he can be that, and uh, I think it's only going to help his confidence if he can do that as a starter. I mean, if Jalen's given us 14 to 15 and 10 
right over there. He's going to be one of the steel contracts in the league. The Pacers already got a fantastic value out of him, but man, a double double. That would be awesome. Uh, Next I have is what we saw last year from three, the real deal when Jalen shot 37% for three and was lethal in the corner, or is it an inconsistent sample size? Because outside of, of that 22 games with the Pacers, He's actually a 26% shooter from three. I know it's inconsistent playing time, so it's real tough to get into a groove, especially if you only get about one three up per game or whatever it was. But can he be a consistent, say, 35% three-point shooter from three? You know, maybe 35 to 38, a point where you the defense always has to respect him from anywhere on the court. And I think that he can very much do it. It's basically, I want to see you do it again. Yeah, I mean, this team is, you know, and, and one of the things that we're talking about on that podcast with Sam Vecini and Spinella was the Pacers outside shooting depth. You know, even even now it's currently constructed Duarte, Buddy, uh, hopefully Matherin um, becomes an outside threat like he was in college. I mean, we can't project anything, but we're hoping that's what he can do because we saw it in the summer league, pretty out, good outside shooter. Hoping Neesmith finds his touch again, but then you look at Turner, who, who even if it's low 30, 30s, you know, he's still a threat out there. And, and same with Jalen. So surrounding all these three-point shooters with Halliburton, who shot 40% last year for the Pacers from downtown, I mean, that that to me is just like, there's going to be so many openings with, with all these guys that can shoot that it's going to be really hard to guard this team on the perimeter. I think their offense is going to be really good next year, Fodge. I'm not worried about their offense, and I think Terry even brought that up. Their defense is what I'm concerned about mostly. But offensively, I think he's going to get the looks just because there's going to be so many – you know, there's going to be so much potential to be open. And I think even if he doesn't always shoot the ball from three, there's going to be opportunities for him to put the ball on the floor and get to the rim because of how well this offense is going to be spread out based off of all of the outside threats that this team has. Hey, couldn't really do that in Phoenix, though. So, you know, I'm excited for Jalen to, you know, have have a bit more freedom out here. Yeah, uh, for sure. I'll, I'll do my last goal here for Jalen Smith, and I just said become more versatile in the pick-and-roll pop game. Let's see more combinations of rolling and popping than one over the other because, like you said, he, he's kind of known more to me as a, um, as a, as a popper than he mm-hmm. is a roller. Yep. And I, I think that Turner is the same way. So one of these guys or both of these guys are going to have to – take on a little bit more of the rolling aspect to the pick and roll, pick and pop game. Um, you can't always be popping and you got to be a little bit more efficient in the rolling. I think that at this point, I would say Jalen Smith is more athletic than Miles Turner. Uh, um, I, I, I would say so, um, yeah. but we, you know, we still got to wait and see that. But I do think that, you know, this is, we're going to be able to see his game really on display this year. He's going into this season knowing he's the starting four. I mean, yeah. everybody knows it. It was announced with a red carpet treatment with a special pen. You know, That's I mean, special Pacers and pen. exactly. So at that point, we're breaking out all all the tricks to let him be, you know, the Jalen Smith. So I, I, I gotta know where that special Pacer pen is at. I, I gotta know. I, I need it framed or something, man. I mean, hopefully they they, they gave it a special treatment even after you know he used it to sign. But for my last one, I have. Be more aggressive and aim to get to the free throw line near four times per game. Can we do that? Because the Pacers have struggled for quite some time getting their free throw line. It doesn't matter who it is. They just have not been able to get guys to the free throw line. Yet, Jalen averaged just over two free throw attempts per game in just under 25 minutes last year while having inconsistent playing time and trying to figure things out. Shot 75% from the line. 
I think this is a guy that can get to the free throw line more if he can stay active and is also a good free throw shooter. So yeah. you, you got to be active. If you improve as a rebounder, Yeah, I, I think you'll get to the line more. And, and I think that he can make them pay from the free throw line. But, you know, you look at the history of Turner, uh, Sabonis, he just could not get to the free throw line that much. And Sabonis was very active down low. Yeah, I mean, who knows if he's going to be able to get the calls that, you know, other people will. Definitely not at first. No. So I think overall, for me, when it comes to Jalen, I really just want to see him take a massive step forward this year. Um, Doesn't have the, like, Phoenix thing hanging over his head anymore. He's in a situation where he feels comfortable. He's got a pass for his point guard that's going to be looking for him. He's got a super athletic team and a coaching staff that believes in him, a front office that believes in him. So I personally think this is going to be a great opportunity for him just to grow overall and solidify himself as a true starter in this league because the Pacers, you know, he took a chance on the Pacers, but the Pacers took a chance on him. You know, they named him the starter without even him having to compete for it. And, you know, there there could have been a lot of people that would have, said, well, maybe O'Shea should get a more modern kind of four. Or or maybe Isaiah Jackson should have got it because he was their own first-round pick last year. But no, they went ahead and made that a part of the promise when they brought him back. So now I think it's only up to him to kind of say, hey, you guys bet on me and you and you proved uh, yourselves right because I am worthy of this starting position. And uh, I'm going to have to compete for it still, obviously, but I'm going to show why you made the right decision. So for me, it's just like a prove year to him to like, you know, prove it to Phoenix that they gave up on him too soon and prove it to the Pacers like, hey, you made the right choice. Oh, big time. I mean, Jalen has not gone into a season, you know, knowing that he's the starter in, in, in a few years. And I think that, you know, people were probably a little bit surprised to hear that he was just announced the starter, like you mentioned, but that's what it took to convince him to stay for, for less money. So I, I ain't mad at it one bit. I think he's got every opportunity to prove a lot of people right. Prove a lot of people wrong as it relates, you know, to the Phoenix Suns. Um, so it's a very big, big year for him. And uh, you just want to see him flourish because he, everybody can root for Jalen Smith. Just seems like a great guy. Just got engaged recently. So congrats oh, yeah. on Jalen. Mm-hmm. And man, the best, best ball for him is ahead. Absolutely, Fachi. So with that being said, that wraps up another episode of Setting the Pace. Let the people know where they can find us at on the social media. Absolutely. You can find us on Twitter at setting the pace three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. You can find me on Twitter at underscore FACCI. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at setting the pace. You can find us on TikTok at setting the pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. You can check us out on YouTube at setting the pace, uh, youtube.com slash setting the pace, I should say, a Pacers podcast. I Man, I'm trying to go off Fachi's energy here and I uh, got myself distracted. But- duplicate. Oh, it is very hard. Nobody can come up with that much energy all the time. And Fachi's hand is cranking as he's getting ready for the final three words. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you're excited to see these three power forwards take massive leaps this year in a rebuilding year, then say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. 
and the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.